because I'd been told that he has no patience for, for photos. So I'm like, okay, so you got to, you know, really got to work hard with those kind of people. And you know, we, he was really generous. You know, we got more time than we expected. You know, he was quite obliging. He's a very difficult man to photograph. And it's just so funny because all these people are like, well, you can really, when the cover came out, you can really see the weight of the weight on his shoulders. I'm like, man, I was waiting for any of this to happen. That's just how he stands. <laughs> when we think about the food industry, I guess we usually think about the producers, the chefs, the restaurateurs, and the people that work in restaurants. But there are a lot of other people that work in and around the industry. And I suppose I'm one of those working as a food writer. And another one of those is Christopher Paulson, a photographer who does all kinds of photography, but is definitely known and loved for his fantastic food photography. Chris, thanks for coming along and having a chat with me today on Dirty Linen. It's uh, my absolute pleasure, Danny. Now, Chris, I spoke to you uh, on, like, it was that Monday before everything started to just close in upon us. And I'd been up in northeast Victoria doing a bushfire recovery story because, hey, remember the fires? <laughs> and I was returning my hire car to an Avis or budget or something down up near RMIT. And as I was walking out of there, just feeling really strange and it was windy and that part of the city gets dusty and there was like dust blowing into my face my phone rang and it was you and Uh you'd had this idea to do this to do like a pasta drive because restaurants were freaking out nobody was going out and you thought let's get let's move some pasta and um I just feel like you really you kicked me off into a kind of pandemic action which hasn't really stopped. And well, I'm, well, I'm certainly glad to take credit for everything you've done for the last six months. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, well, now it's bloody October. And <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, yeah, it's so mental, isn't it? It's so crazy. And, yeah, it, so, yeah, I, I put this page on my website, like Rescue Pack, Pasta for Pickup, and people, restaurants started making pasta yeah. and people started eating it. And yeah. I suppose, you know, you you identified really early on that there was going to be, you know, need at different places on the food supply chain. And as we know, things became really disrupted, really but, fragile and vulnerable. But do you love it how, like, how how my, my dumb brain works? That I think I was, like, making pasta for our dinner, like, just rolling some out. And I think my brain, you know, when you kind of track a thought and it went something like, hey, I'm making pasta. No one can buy pasta in the supermarket. Maybe I can make make pasta. And then I was like, well, no, 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 back up, back up, back up. Back up. <laughs> like, Hang on, wait a second. There's restaurants that make this shit. Oops, sorry, are we have to swear on this podcast? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> um, and like, like, oh, wait, hang on, there's restaurants that are making all this stuff and, and there's no one going to the restaurant. So maybe, maybe, you know, that would be more sensible than me trying to make pasta for anyone more than three people. Um, yeah, and then that, and then, you know, we've all got our, 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 our pasta contacts, I guess. I've just been working with Johnny and Maria at, at 400 Gradi and obviously the beautiful mates at Tupo Double Zero and, you know, all those kind of people. And wasn't it amazing how just, 
like within a couple of days, everyone kind of just did this massive about turn. I know the Grady guys were already kind of thinking a bit about it already, but they just, you know, within like a couple of days, um, you know, found a warehouse down the road from the restaurant and like just rammed it full of every beautiful, you know, Italian good you could think of, you know, just all in the space of a couple of days, isn't that? And, 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 and it's still there. You can still go and get, a 400 gravity pizza out, you know, in the street, you know, and it's still like as amazing as it ever was. But that's been there since kind of around about the time we had that conversation. Like, it's just mind boggling. Yeah, it is. So tell us what you've been up to over the past seven months. Um, um, we just kind of had a bit of a, a funny one in a way. Like we had a, we had a baby and my, my wife and I, um, Oh, that's, yeah, like, uh, sorry, I should say my wife had a baby in uh, in early April, so the 6th of April, which has kind of made it, you know, a, a slightly, you know, even more strange time. So we've, you know, kind of had that, you know, that early baby enforced lockdown anyway, but, mm. you know, with, with the, you know, just the weird added bonus of this as well. But, um, you know, I, I think... So, I mean, I've been you know, doing a little bit of work like the rest of us. Like, I'm really fortunate that uh, in lockdown four that there's a journalist, um, the journalism um, permit that I can get when you're working, when I work for the, the paper, which has been, you know, a real godsend. But, I mean, the rest of it, it's been really not much. Like, we've, we've been getting our allowances, which are due to stop any second now. Um, you know, and a few little government bits, but for the most part, we've just been at home, you know, hanging out with the kids and, um, you know, doing the work where we can. Like, uh, myself and, like, a lot of other people in this industry kind of had this, like, bumper July to September quarter when everyone was trying to catch up with all the work that they, you know, they couldn't get out, you know, in lockdown one. Um, so I, I think I worked, like, 27 days straight at one point. Um, wow. Yeah, which is mental. And then that meant that my July to September quarter was just, you know, like 30% higher than last year, which means, of course, that now I can't get JobKeeper, which is great, even though we had a, you know, like the, the quarter before that was through the floor and now this one will be as well. But now we're you know, ineligible, which is kind of making things interesting. Um, but we've been doing, we've done a little bit of, you know, helping out some hospital buddies to get their stuff um on for their you know online stores and that kind of thing um i've been able to it was in the studio the other week for good weekend piece on the arts which was just amazing you know photographing real people in a real studio which is very strange um i've had like a couple little government construction documentation things but other than that like it's really not much but you know at the same time still a lot more than a lot of other people have been able to do that's for sure Mm. well as a sort of you know insider outsider to the hospitality industry what kinds of things have you witnessed experienced felt from your mates in hospo now where where do you begin um one thing that yeah. I was really struck behind it, right? Um, I was really struck by, and I keep, I keep coming back to, is that I think no one really talks about the bosses, and they're the kind of ones I worry about the most. Because the thing I hear them over and over again from so many different people is that, and, and maybe less as much now, but definitely um, 
yeah, it's definitely been a recurring theme. Is a lot of them just say, man, if I didn't have visa holder staff members, you know, I wouldn't even be bothering. Which I'm sure you've heard this as well. Um, yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Like all these people that, you know, these I guess it, the people that can't get the the benefits or whatever. So you know, these businesses are just staying open just so they, you know, they get some more vulnerable members of their of their staff. You know, don't starve. Um. And just that kind of responsibility is just hardcore. Like, you know, these, I'm just thinking, thinking of people like, you know, I think Christian from Embla and Joey from Mr. Bianco and Victor and um, people like that have all said this where they're just, you know, like if, if they could just stay home and pay all their staff job people, it would be so much more simple, um, you know, r- rather than running these businesses that aren't necessarily going to be making any money. Um yeah, just keeping the lights on and keeping people, you know, paid rather than, you know, going hungry. Um, but, you know, but, strong, then yeah. but, but then there's the people who are, you know, doing – like there's a cafe out the road from our house, um, um, Zendan, and, you know, it almost seemed busier in there and I kind of get the feeling that they're potentially maybe – the turnovers maybe even up because – you know, just everyone wants to get out for a walk and go and get a coffee and, you know, now they don't have to worry about people sitting inside and I know that, you know, for them that little brief opening was just so stressful having to, you know, sanitise all the tables and then, you know, take bookings, which they've never done before and, you know, just like for them it's kind of simpler just to have takeaway only, I guess. But, you know, then like booze people are all kind of doing roaring trade because everyone's stuck at home and it's a weird one, isn't it? Like how it's just, it's, so irregular throughout different sectors and different, you know, producers and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm. Mm, yeah. Anyway. Well, I've, I've definitely um, thought over the period, you know, you know, I lost a lot of work at the start of the pandemic just as you did and but mm-hmm. I never felt that, that that sort of crushing weight of the of responsibility of having employees. And oh I think God, when, yeah. you, when you've got that, to add to your like all the things you have to think about it, it, yep. it is so much it's so much and um yeah look different people have, have done it in different ways and um yeah it's but I think it's it's a weight and um yeah 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 it's a funny one isn't it because you know the for the the um stated aim of job keeper was to keep people connected to their businesses but it's funny that mm-hmm. those who have had um if they were um fortunate enough to have all their employees on job keeper they could then close those businesses and actually not and, really have any contact have. with their staff yeah like, like people have like i've got a i've got a friend who's a chauffeur lives around the corner and he works at a cafe in coburg and they just closed because they could all get JobKeeper and he sat at home for, you know, however many months and he's only just gone back to work like last week. Isn't that amazing? Right. Yeah, but, it is, a, it is and, amazing. And, 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 and I think um, one thing that's been so frustrating is just watching the kind of the, I guess, the, the politicking between, you know, the left and right and between federal and state, how, like, you know, you see people like, you know, I won't name names, but, you know, you know significant um, hospitality people, you know, will be getting on Instagram and, you know, bashing the, the Victorian Premier and saying, you know, um, you know, step in and help us, Scott Morrison, you know, we need to save all our workers. It's like, well, hang on, but you're forgetting the person that made that decision to exclude visa holders in the first place. Like, none of these people are, are innocent. And, like, I'm not, and I'm definitely not interested in advocating left or the right or whatever, but it's just like, 
you know, this is the one time when everyone needs to work together and so you know, instead of kind of, you know, shifting the blame, you know, wherever they can, it's like, you know, this is the one time, can't we just get together and work it out rather than, you know, just kind of, you know, putting our, putting our feet on each other's throats, you know, just trying to, trying to, you know, just, I don't know, just kind of escape any kind of responsibility, you know, when meanwhile, you know, like, like we just said, like imagine that responsibility of having 10 visa holders on your staff that you, you've then got to, yeah, you're the only, their only hope of actually making any money and like feeding their families. You know, it's insane. Mm. Yeah, well, it did feel like you know that early weeks of the pandemic that there was going to be uh, togetherness and solidarity, and we were all we were all going to stand you know mm. side by side and face it together. And I guess that frayed um, in various ways over the ensuing months. And now, especially, well, perhaps only in Victoria, it is feeling quite fractured. Um, yeah. Hopefully, as uh, as we slowly reopen and regroup, though, though that um, fabric will knit back together somewhat and uh, there mm-hmm. will be a sense of solidarity. I mean, there's definitely been a sense of community threaded through this, I think, and, you know, we've yeah. seen that. I suppose, you know, people have seen that in in their businesses and their business communities and their yeah. neighbourhoods for sure. Um, Chris, I want to talk about a couple of images of yours that I've seen through the mm-hmm. pandemic that have been particularly striking and perhaps we'll deal with the one that may lead us back to politics first and then we can put that to one side yeah, but it sure. was a um, it was a photo of the Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews that appeared as mm-hmm. part of a profile piece um, can't remember when it was maybe it was May somewhere around there um, yeah, it, was, it, it was before the second lockdown was for sure I think, yeah I think tell me tell me about that yeah it was an interesting one um we were asked initially they wanted to photograph him in his home um, where he kind of, you know, this is how long ago this was, um, and talk about how, you know, how he ran the state from his from his desk at home. Um, and this is lockdown one. But then, you know, he was obviously a busy guy. It was hard to lock down. And then they that didn't go ahead. But instead the decision was to photograph him on Parliament steps. Um I uh, have this thing in my head where I don't like to make preconceived judgments about people before I photograph them. Um, and that sometimes gets draws me criticism. I mean, like I photographed uh, George Columbaris for the Good Weekend a while back, and that was before it was the infamous cover where you know, that week, you know, the wage scandal came out, which was really a real bummer because they, you know, they've got such a long lead time on the printing that they can't change it. Yes. Once it's done, it's done. Um, yep. And, I, and I, I had people like say, how dare you, how, how could you photograph him knowing all this stuff? It's like, well, that's not for me to decide. <laughs> you know, like it's my job to, right. to hold a record of this person and that's up for you to make. It's, it's up for, you know, the person or the viewer to make, to, to make their own, you know, to draw their own conclusions. And, and I and I feel really strongly about that. Like I've photographed politicians that I really don't care for, but it's not it's not you know I, I just have this thing where like I feel like it would be really doing a disservice to you know the publications or the public, all those people, and myself. Like if I allowed my you know thoughts to to really push it in any way. But then you know so like I really wanted to you know like I always want to make the person look the best that they can. I want them to want their personality to come through. You know I don't want you know, like a political PR shot. I don't, but at the same time, I don't want, I don't want something that's going to drag them down. And like, to be honest, like at that point, 
I thought, you know, the poor guy, he's done it. He's done the best he can. You know, this is Daniel Andrews that, that shot down the cross city tunnel and then found out that it had already been paid for, you know, like, you know, those years ago when he got in. So I've always felt a bit of a sympathy towards him. Um, you know, so it came out, we had, we had half an hour with him, so we decided we were doing it there. I'm like, yeah, you know, and so <laughs> I'd, I'd see, here's, here's a funny little one. So I'd seen um, on his Instagram that he'd been making pizza with his sons. And I'd just been working with Johnny and, and Maria at 400 Grady, and, and I had some of their flour on the cupboard. I'm like, you know, because these people often you've got, you know, 30 minutes, you've got to get, you know, you've got to build a rapport, shoot it all in that time. So <laughs> I bought a, a bag of, you know, double zero, um, Stazioni pizza flour with you know with me because I'm a little bit of a pizza nerd just to kind of win him over and and it was amazing like it worked so well like he's like oh this is great and they oh, I can't wait to try and all of a sudden we're talking about <laughs> using talking about using you know sparkling mineral water instead of water and it's like oh it's like using lemonade and scones I'm like yeah I guess it is Dan and you know so <laughs> it was nice it was an outside breaker and then we kind of did the shoot and you know it'd been raining and you know, kind of did a couple of options and, you know, and he stayed longer because I've been told that he has no patience for, for photos. So I'm like, okay, so you got to, you know, really got to work hard with those kind of people. And, you know, we, he was really generous and you know, we've got more time than we expected. You know, he was quite obliging. He's a very difficult man to photograph. Um, uh, you know, like, like stand up there. I understand. Oh, okay. You know. um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so funny because all these people are like, well, I can really, when the cover came out, you can really see the weight of the weight on his shoulders. I'm like, man, that was way before any of this happened. That's just how he stands. <laughs> right, um, interesting. Yeah, and just you know, people always do that. They'll put their own readings on it. Um, but yeah, and it's interesting. Um, that story got a lot of criticism from, I guess, the more left leaning people, because the cover line was "Not Happy Dan," which. You know, the the Good Weekend's line was that that's the feeling in the community that you know talking about. But then people will read that as as, as the publication saying that, which is just classic. You know, it's just that kind of stuff always happens, right? But so yeah. then there's this feeling that you know the published publication has got an agenda, which they don't. And and I think Mel Fife, who wrote the piece, wrote a very fair fair piece, which raised the questions, which you know ended up being huge issues months later, which you know she really accurately preempted them. Um, and this is funny. This is how different things were. I I pitched that we shoot him in a mask, like as in, you know, he's up the front line doing his thing. And that they said, oh no, we feel that um, that you know our advice is that only frontline workers and medical staff should be wearing masks. Then <laughs> right. that's how different it was. That's how different it yeah. was. And it, this, this isn't very long ago, so it's just amazing sure. how quickly it's all moved, isn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, but interesting. Um, do you do you read a piece before you photograph it, or do you ask for the sort of vibe of the piece? Uh, I try to. Like, I've got two very different views in my mind. One part of my brain says that I don't want to know anything. I don't want other people's views to to sway my experience with someone. But then sometimes you, you want to know as much as you can, and I and I think. No, that's right. This one changed a lot. It changed a lot as she was writing it because, oh, that's right, because phones are still coming back to me. So at that point, it was just after the branch stacking thing happened. Oh, so yeah. he was flustered from that. That's how that's how 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 long ago that was. So that 
that like you know all this thing none of the hotel thing had really blown up yet i think it was it was maybe happening and i, I don't think the flemington outbreak had happened yet yeah so yeah he, the, the biggest thing he was stressing about was branch stacking like that's like what a what a crazy thing that is um yeah what so a great problem I to have though <laughs> the same I know, ways, right? yeah. um so i think I think that one I hadn't read because it wasn't written yet because it was still yeah. being written. Whereas other ones, like for example, I'm shooting someone tomorrow that I've, I've, you know, it's going alongside a book excerpt and I've read that. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I try to, yeah, I try to pick them. Sometimes, sometimes you don't, and then you walk away and read something the next day and you're like, oh my god, I didn't know any of that. Oh my god, that's just ridiculous. Like, I think I think when I shot Red Simons, I knew some stuff had happened, but didn't really know the specifics, and then. Um, like, I didn't know that his son had died, maybe, I think. I think he had been sick, but he didn't know that his son. And then he was on saying things about that, and then I walked away kind of feeling like a bit of an idiot that I didn't know. But, you know, you can't, you know, you, you know this, you can't, you can't win them all. But, yeah, it's well, so funny. Like, some people, some people will just do so much research, you know, and just have a head full of knowledge, which I can see the merit in that, but then sometimes it might kind of take away spontaneity i think i'm still figuring this out for myself but i think it's kind of that kind of thing as well where you don't want you know you just want to interact with someone as a person you want to kind of discover things naturally sometimes but then you know yeah i guess the flip side yeah. is sometimes you know you want to know about things and be prepared but yeah it's so interesting they're such interesting questions because i guess a, f a photograph is it is about the moment that the photograph's taken mm. and that's like how much uh, how much do you how much does that moment need to hold? Does it need to hold that person's past? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's like as mm -hmm. the, the responses to those photos that you've spoken about, like the Dan Andrews one and the George Calambaras one, it's almost like your photos apparently held the future as well. So it's um, mm. it's really interesting, like what, yeah, what are the different expanses that this um, this flat image can expand into or reach Totally, for. So it's totally. Really and, and it's funny... It's funny with that George thing as well. Like, I, I mean, I'm not a particularly massive fan of the guy. Like, I don't really, you know, I just kind of have no, no massive feelings either way. But I do have really strong feelings about fairness. And, you know, when we did that shoot, it was really interesting because, I mean, I assume you've had a lot to do with him as well. But the last time I shot him, it was upstairs at Hellenic in Q. And he was doing, I think he was filming uh, an, a, a, like a training video about like apprentice training. He was doing these recipes. He was doing the shoot. He was doing like four things at once. And he was manic. He was absolutely manic. And, you know, he's barking orders. And I've got this great photo where he's kind of looking squinty-eyed and just kind of barking at the camera. And it's not really flattering, but it's a, I, I love it. I think it's, it's just one of my favorite photos of a, of a person. But compare that to this time when... You know, it was, the whole piece was about, you know, mental health and chefs coping with things. And obviously, you know, at that point, yeah, had a lot happen. Like, he'd had the whole, you know, punching at the footy thing happen. He'd had, there had been allegations, you know. And so he'd obviously had to really find a way to center himself. And, you know, he walked into that studio, sat on that chair, and I said, you know, just do your thing. Just do your meditation, you know. And he shut his eyes, and it was just, it was quite amazing. Like, it was really beautiful. Like, he just... Went into himself, he breathed, and he sat there, and, it, and the silence was just absolutely delicious. And it was just like the only thing you could hear is the shutter and the flash going off. 
And it was amazing. Like, it was absolutely amazing. And I really do think the guy has undergone, like, you know, true transformation. And I, like, and that's not me. You know, like, I have people say to me, oh, you're mates with him. Like, I'm not mates with him. Like, I have no interest in this at all. Like, and I, I think I, what really bothered me was that that truth was, was getting overlooked. And I think mm. there was people that had an agenda that saying, well, you know, he wants to do this. Like, no, no, the, the $7, million, $8.8 million, whatever it was, was how much has been paid back, you know? And, like, I, I'm not... Like, I don't think he's perfect. I don't think the industry's perfect. I don't think the organizations are perfect. But I just don't, I didn't really buy it that it was an active thing. And it's just, and so then all these, you know, I, I have to shut this Instagram feed uh, post down because Whoa. I just have people going absolutely bananas on me. It's like, listen, I'm just a photographer. I'm not, you know, yeah, I'm just yeah. <laughs> trying, to, trying to give the guy a fucking chance, man. Like, I'm not, you know, I, I don't care about, like, you know, of course, like, you know, like I, you know, I have empathy for him, but it's not. I have no interest. I have no financial interest or anything like that. You know. Um, yeah, it's so interesting. So it's it's so, I mean, it, well, it goes to the power of the images that you take. And I remember that story. It was a lot. It was a lot about um, that. You know, George had had this. Uh, yeah, like a real personality shift, and he had um, mm. centered himself. And it was, it, I mean, it was pretty unfortunate um, for the magazine that because he, 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 he sort of looked. He had a halo. I think the text around his around his head was in a halo, and then it was like that came out on well, it was Saturday. Was a semi-circle. Like, the idea was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Friday or Thursday, Friday, the wage scandal really, like you know, yep. really hit the fan. So um, totally, total bummer. So interesting. <laughs> so interesting. Um, okay, so the other photo that I want to talk about, and I um, recall this uh, this week when the image that you took at Attica um, featured on a cover story that I had in Good Food this week about restaurants and reopening in Melbourne and mm-hmm. a bit of a round table yep. around that. And um, yep. yeah, so tell me about tell me about that shoot. They're just such great images. So that and, shoot and was just, for. Yeah, it was good weekend. I just want to I just want to give Michael Harry a shout out for that great piece as well. Oh, it was really what a guy. it was really great. Yeah. What a so, guy. Yeah. yeah. Tell us, what tell a song. Us about song. That I, I miss that man. Um, yeah. So that was a fun one. That one. I mean, Ben and I have a pretty solid friendship, I'd say. Um, uh, and uh, I'm just trying to remember. Yeah. So Tegan, I believe the photo editor at Good Weekend commissioned it, and. Um, you know, we just kind of talked through talked through ideas and that kind of thing. You know, I hadn't been to Attica for, you know, I think since I did a, another story there for someone else. Um, and, like, just, I mean, obviously no one else has really been to Attica except for a few people, you know, the people working, obviously, you know, you're familiar with it. But just to paint a picture for the listener, like, if you've ever been there, it doesn't look like that at the moment. Like, it, it you know, you go into the private dining, beautiful private dining room with those amazing, you know, burnt timber walls. That's like a storeroom. Like, there's stuff stuck to the roof, you know, there's you know, KitchenAids, there's boxes of, you know, of cutlery and, you know, takeaway stuff. It's like, it's, it's a, you know, it's a it's a war room almost, you know, like, it's amazing. Like, it's, it's not the Attica we're used to. Um, and so the piece that Michael wrote was really beautiful and, and I think probably one of the... Uh, one of few, if any, pieces about Ben and Attica, you know, kind of post, you know, his relationship change and post, you know, him kind of, I guess, discovering another side of himself, I think, you know, as far as fitness and a lot of that kind of stuff, um, 
which I think he did a really great job of really being really sensitive about that, which Michael does really well. He's really respectful of people. And I think, and I, and this is a funny, like what we were talking about before, like I wonder whether, you know, the pictures we got were kind of partially because we've got a relationship. Because I know Ben can be really, really fiercely protective um, of himself and his restaurant, you know, and brand, and you know, rightly so. Um, but it was really beautiful because we kind of, you know, was, we were in that mid-period where lockdown was finished, um, you know, we kind of like, you know, come in, what do you want to do? And we kind of set up a couple of pictures and took some great, you know, portraits of him kind of sitting in front of the, the never, the, um, never give up that it sprayed in the dining room, you know, then we took some in front of the piles of stuff, uh, in the private dining room, you know, we took some photos of him and, him and Kylie, you know, that kind of stuff. And then we thought we'd take some in the kitchen as well. And I just kind of, you know, just when you kind of walk around into the kitchen, you know, you just see it. It's right there. It's huge. It's like, it's not subtle at all. Like it's, you know, to the roof. He's obviously, you know, stood on the bench and sprayed it. And I, I think that, that Spray, yeah, just sprayed actually... never give up just so people, in case people didn't hear. So it's got never oh, yeah, give so, up in, in black spray paint on the wall in the attic. Yeah, kitchen. literally, you know, I remember seeing the video on Instagram. He got his rattle can and got up there and, you know, like nothing, you know, it's so different to the antithesis of the restaurant. Everything so carefully thought out and, you know, beautifully meticulously made. And this is like, you know, up there. Um, but it's huge. Like it's not, you, know, you can't miss it. And so I think that particular shot might have actually been a lighting test. But I remember looking, I'm like, I love it. That looks great. That is so cool. Like just so, you know, graphic. But I remember both Michael and Ben were like, oh, probably a bit too grim for us, you know. So we better put some people in there. And so the cover that Good Week Hand ran was Ben, I believe it was the one where he was just kind of talking to someone off front, you know, out of frame. Um, but with him not in it, it's very different, which I was, yeah, I, I didn't even know that was running in, in Good Food, but it was quite a nice surprise to see it, though. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's funny. I was a slight... Two things I want to say about it. There's a slight side topic. I've had conversations with one or two other quite prominent chefs, and one one of them made the comment that he said, "Well, it's a really nice. That's a nice luxury to have the um, the privilege of not being able to give up." Which I thought was an interesting thought, but I guess I think the 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 energy behind what Ben was saying is, you know, this is like, no, we, we're going to keep on going. We're going we're going to keep you know we're going to beat this. Um, you know, you know, we have to. We can't not. You know, I think where I think the other person who I won't name was a bit more like, well, you know, what if you have to? Like, what if this crushes you? You know, like, yeah, we need to be able to say that it's okay. Sometimes it's okay to walk away, but you know, and, I'm not sure exactly where I'm going with that. But it's an interesting thought experiment. I guess it's kind of looking at it from both sides. You know, sometimes yeah, you know, actually the smartest thing. You know, but um, but I also wanted to say there's it. Another kind of cute thing that happened, I mean, not a cute thing, but when we were back on set doing a shoot in, I want to say, March. No, not March, July, July. I found an email because I'd set up a new website and the email had been going to a different email that I'd set up and I found this email that had gone to my, uh, come from my little contact form and it was from this lady who'd seen that cover and she's going through breast cancer treatment and that cover had just been a thing that she's kind of held on to, you know, never give up. I and mean, you know, 
Wow. And she's emailing me. Yeah, and she's emailing me saying, oh, you know, it was the last thing that we did was have this amazing Attica dinner. And it was just, just you know, just that, you know, it just kind of kept me going. And just remembering it kind of kept me, you know, you know, vital and kept me, you know, fighting. And I was wondering if I could buy a print of it. I'm like, of course you can. Well, that's, that's crazy. I'm so sorry that I didn't see your email for months because it went to my other thing. And I just thought she was going to say that she wanted like an 8x10 or something. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. I think she's like, oh, I don't know, like a meter? Oh, cool. <laughs> and so she's ordered this like meter by something print. Like, so can you get it framed too? I'm like, of course I can get it framed. And I was so, and then I was like, I, I feel like I should check with Ben. And Ben's like, yeah, whatever she needs. Like, you yeah, know, of course. And um, and we I picked it up the other day, and, and you know, in my permitted activities, I can, as a printing printing and support services professional, I can uh, deliver prints. And I took it around, and she's like, oh, "That's amazing!" Because it looks crazy. It is so big, and it looks so good. It printed so beautifully. It's like so. I think it was a different one of the shots. So it was one where he's actually looking at the camera. But um, you know, you never know where your photos are going to end up, and this is a nice little thing there. But um, yeah, that's so nice. Well, let's um, uh, let's. Let's talk about food photography, Chris. <laughs> sure. It's, um, I love your food photos. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you approach a shot? Do you wait for the dish to speak to you or do you <laughs> get out your special pasta lens? What do you do? Uh, I, I approach food, I would say, differently to many people. I I mean, I always thought that everyone can shoot food, but it turns out, you know, not everyone can. But I and I don't really treat it that much differently from any other image. And I think the most important thing about taking photos is that it has to be compelling. Like, the photo has to make you want to look at it. And it has to kind of, you know, it has to get an emotional response, you know. So, you know, and I guess that's that kind of, you know, dark magic combination of, you know, composition and lighting and all those kind of things. But... You know, there's the, there's the kind of the, the basic rules, you know, light from the side, um, focus on the protein, yada, yada, yada. Like, I'll, you know, you just kind of want to make it arresting. Like, it has to kind of, you know, look at you. You know, like I've got little things I do. Like, I don't like shooting them in landscape. I prefer shooting portrait and crop down because that's just how it looks good to me, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, just those little, little, little technique things. But I think what it comes down to, though, is just about it being arresting and it has to, you know, you have to keep going until you can do that. But, yeah, there's, like, you know, like I can talk technique, sure, but I think it's mostly really about, you know, that it has to, you know, you need a little bit of drama in there. You know, you need to kind of, you know, you need to set it up so it can, yeah, so it can speak to you and so that, you know, you have to want to be hungry. Yeah, Um Chris, I remember when you shot some dishes of mine and when you're talking about mood and making you want to look at it and making you want to eat it, those the my food looked so dramatic. Like it looked like it was <laughs> it was gonna it was gonna win an Oscar just for sitting on the bench. Just yeah, I remember looking at it. I'm like, God, she didn't ask me again because I made her food like it was a serial killer or something. I don't know. Yeah, it was like <laughs> what, some... what was it? Show was show it's like Shane's hummus or something, maybe, and then um I, I was going. I was walking past. Um, I got coffee at um, at uh, Seven Seeds the other day, and that was next to that tire joint. And it was a uh, little fish tire. Was it? Is that where she was from? Oh yeah, Pla. Yeah, middle fish. That's right. We did her middle fish. That's right. We did her food, didn't we? Ah, oh, 
Okay. Oh, I'm actually thinking of these, I think it was just granola bars, which I just did as an extra dish. It was like a super quick recipe and you made it, yeah, look <laughs> like it, it, like these granola bars could actually be a serial killer. They looked incredibly dramatic, but it was But great. you know what it was? It was because, it was because I don't think I'd ever worked, I don't think I'd ever used like a DOP, uh, like a DOP's light before. It's because you had the film guys in and they, and they had that great big massive, um, you know, Hollywood lighting up, and I was like, "Cool, I'll just be over here with the spill." Thank you very much. <laughs> whereas, you know, whereas I'm used to kind of having to, you know, make my own sunshine with flash and whatever, and so I think I was just maybe, uh, maybe I got a little bit too excited. <laughs> what was that laneway? What was that, Caroline Studio? Yeah, we're at a studio in Hawthorne. Caroline Velick, food stylist to the stars. There we go. And me. There we go. Um, <laughs> Chris, leave us with a leave us. This is probably the most annoying question to ask you, so I'm going to leave you with it. That's right. Uh, everyone needs to take great food photos these days on their phones. Um, we don't have mm. the sunshine flash and the spill from the film crew. How can mm. us newbie amateurs um, just get a decent snap to put on Instagram? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I said something recently to Pat Nurse that I thought was a throwaway, but apparently it transformed his phone photography, his phone photography, and that is if you have an iPhone with a portrait thingy, there's a little two times button, press that, and then the phone has an inbuilt longer lens, and by that I mean it's You've got a wide lens, and then you got a, which is the normal one. I think the newer ones even got an extra wide lens, but then it also has a longer one, which means that you know it doesn't get as much in, so you have to get back a little bit, which means it forces you to have a better perspective on the food. So if you're if you've got a wide lens and you get right up, you know it kind of might be a little bit distorted, or you know you might have too much other things around it. If you can use the portrait mode or the two times lens. It will, you know, it gives you the opportunity to kind of center in on the dish or whatever, um, and it will look a lot more pleasing. You'll find. How's I love that? it. That is great. Pat came back to me like months later. He's like, "Oh my god, you changed everything!" I'm like, "Oh, my pleasure, Pat. No worries." <laughs> uh, well, everyone should I, check out. I think Pat I just like leaned out, leaned. Out. <laughs> I think I just leaned over like a smart ass and pressed the two time button on his phone, and then, um, yeah, that was it. <laughs> Okay, but well, that's thanks. yeah that and then uh, keep the light clean, and uh, you'll be you'll be good. Okay, we'll be good, but we won't be as good as you, Christopher Paulson. Thank you so much for coming along to have a chat to Dirty Linen, and see you out there in Foodland when we're allowed to. Hopefully, one Looking day. One to it. day. It's gonna happen. See you, see you on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We wanna hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. Uh, sorry, we're getting in your couch and I forgot that was happening now. Can I, <laughs> is there a way we can pause for like five minutes? Um, I just have to run upstairs and get, and get yeah, some yeah. cash out of an envelope and give it to the guy at hand. Sorry, one sec. <laughs> yep, do it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Hang on. It's all good. No worries. <laughs> <laughs>